This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. Today is July 25th, 2022. Please tell us your name and the years you were at Hofstra Radio. Sure. My name is Steven Silverman. I was at Hofstra Radio 77 to part of 1980. Okay. And what shows or programs or departments did you work in while you were at Hofstra Radio? I was probably best known for being the sports director, 78 and 79, and a little bit into 1980. Okay. Did you hold any other titles or positions at the station? Not really. I mean, we all had to do different jobs. I engineered, um, and I did one, I had one other show, but no, no other positions. Okay. So you did a music show? No, actually I did a comedy show called Just for Laughs. Oh. Basically, it was me introducing comedy records, and which I, my own collection, and recorded them, played them, they played it. Uh, we had it on sometimes after ball games, sometimes before ball games. I'm not sure exactly when it was on. I think it was on Monday nights, but it was all pre-recorded. I don't remember do, ever doing it live. Okay. It was actually printed. It was actually one of the few things years ago. Newsday had a um, used to print t- TV um, listings and radio listings, and I still have it here in my house somewhere. Listing versus WVHC, excuse me. Um, right. uh, Stephen Silverman, uh, just for laughs, eight PM or whatever it was. It was one of the few things that I ever saw in there in Newsday that actually had a listing. That's cool. I I, for, I had forgotten about that. That Newsday had radio listings and highlights for things like that. Oh, that's wow. Oh, that's that's bringing back memory. Okay. Yeah, somewhere it's here. <laughs> Brown piece of paper. Okay. Um, did you use your own name on the air? Did you have any nicknames or aliases? No, I, 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 I no, my own name is fine. Okay. Um, okay, so let's go back to the beginning, and this is a two-part mm-hmm. question, and yeah. answer it whatever way makes sense to you, but what was it that first brought you to the station, and then when you got there, what was it like, what did it look like, maybe who were some of the people, what did it smell like, where where was the station when you first joined? Well, um, what actually, let me start from the beginning, what actually brought me to it, I had known uh, Jim Helfgott uh, from... Uh, we both lived in the same town and um, I knew he was going to Hofstra and he was working radio. When I got to Hofstra, I had always, I'm sorry about that. I had always wanted to work in radio and, um, or do something in radio. Mm-hmm. To me, radio was the best. I was a radio geek. I'm still am a radio geek. And um, I wanted to do radio. I want, I was a radio and television or whatever they call it, communications major. And I wanted to do something in radio. And with Jim there, he kind of helped me get my foot into, uh, you know, come down, come on down and, and uh, see what it was all about. And then uh, just liked it immediately and just started hanging out and, and um, eventually got it, got into the air, got on the air. This was done in the, you know, I, I know many people have talked about the basement mm-hmm. of the little theater and um, in it, it's hard to remember before it's going back all these years, but if you weren't there, it's very hard to explain. It was just dark, damp. I'm surprised the records didn't warp. Um, you know, they were all on the left side. There was a studio on the right, if I remember, and the engineering and everything was done all the way in the back with the, the transmitter and um, and the two turntables and the you know the, the 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 board that we I believe we got from ABC Radio had given us their leftover or their whatever mm-hmm. they were throwing at, and we we kind of took it. 
Um, it really was a huge patch bay in the back. I don't know if anybody knows patch, you know, how to patch things uh, with, with uh, wires going from one to another with two phone lines. And it was a spaghetti of, of patch cords. Mm. But it was, um, and then there was a, you know, two turntables and a and a audio recording. It was an Ampex or something, a uh, big recorder in the back of the, uh, under the window in the back of the, um, the the back of the engineering area. So the first time you went down to the station, even if you don't remember the exact time, did you go down and, and meet Jim? Did you call him in advance or do was it just that you showed up once you were on campus? I'm pretty sure I just showed up once I was on campus. Um, a number of people have expressed that it wasn't the easiest place to find, given that it was in the basement underneath a little theater, which a lot of people didn't know where that was either. Did you have any trouble finding it or is it just you figured it out? Uh, well, I had I had don't live that far from Hofstra, and I used to go to Hofstra a lot. Um, more than likely, I went down because to meet Jim down there. Uh huh. And it was not easy to find. I totally agree. It, it was across, if I remember, it was across from the uh, registrar's office. So if you went there to register for classes and you like did a one eighty, and there was a sign little theater, then I don't remember if there was even a sign that said RHU or VHC. It was go down steps. And I just sort of showed up one day. <laughs> I never really had any, I didn't really know what I wanted to do for the station. And I, I wasn't there to do a jazz show, to do a, a um, rock and roll show or, or what. I just sort of showed up down there and, and said, hey, I want to learn and I want to do this. Um, let's go back a little bit further then before we get into into getting started there. You said that you are were really into radio and, and had this interest in it. Do you remember something that, that started that interest or something that you enjoyed listening to growing up? Well, yeah, that's actually a vivid memory. Um, I lived, grew up in Merrick, Long Island, and, and there was uh, WGBB 1240 AM had the building in Merrick, Long Island. And I was in, I guess I was in Cub Scouts or something along those lines. And we went to visit the radio station. And I thought this was the best place in the world. We, we took a little tour of it. And I just like fell in love with radio at that Cub Scout or whatever it was, you know, trip to WGBB. Hmm. And then um, the fact that it was in my hometown, I mean, that was just like the best thing in the world. Um. The other thing was, I just w- am a dial switcher. So I would get my, at late at night, especially, I guess, during the summer, I would go, or get during the winter, I would go up and down the stations, just up and down the dial, looking, listening for different, um, you know, where can I pick up radio from what, from what city? And um, I do that to this day. I, I don't use that much internet radio. I, I still have switch go up and down the dial looking for stuff especially late at night you get radio on long island get radio from hamilton canada i get radio from uh windsor and um i liked listening to these stations for you know from far away canada but far away right right So, so was it some some of it the 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 sense of discovery or just just finding something new was that was that part of the appeal that was definitely part of the appeal. The other part of it, and I guess this is more television than radio, was I remember growing up in the, uh, I guess it was 
I was born in the late fifties, so it must have been the early sixties. And watching, you know, watching a a newscast of somebody from Moscow. And here I am sitting in my living room. I grew up in, I first lived in Manhattan until I was 10. So I was sitting in my living room and watching you know, via satellite from uh, Moscow and thinking, wow, the guy is there and I'm here. And in instantaneously I'm watching this. And it was just, to me, it was just like the greatest thing in the world again. It was just like, and then radio was just, you know, it was just, it just, to me, radio was to, to this day, radio to me is the best medium. I don't care television, internet, whatever. Radio to me is still the best, the best medium. I I will I will listen to baseball games and not watch them. I will, you know, if if I have a choice, right to the radio. That's great. I have a friend who says if radio is a medium, then television is a small. Hey, there you go. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> feel free, feel free to use that. Um, yeah. So it, I'm, I'm so fascinated by this because, because to me, what I'm hearing is part of it was the the novelty of hearing different things. Part of it was the idea of the technology that was so inspiring, and then part of it is is the content of whatever's going on. So you've got multiple possible interests in radio and and TV at a very early age. Is that yeah. does that seem right? That's that's definite. I mean, I had I remember having a. Oh God! This also goes back to I was I moved to Long Island when I was ten, so this was with Mac like eight or nine, and I remember having my first transistor radio with a nine volt battery. You put out the big antenna, and um, that would just it just it just something about radio just fascinated me. And again, to this day, it still does. And even and, and even though you know, I, I never went into it, and we can get into that discussion later, but I never really went into it as a profession, but. To this day, it's radio, radio. I, I listen to, through, now through the internet, I listen to a station. I found a station in, um, uh, where are they, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, which I like a lot. I listen to that in the morning. I listen to um, CKLW. Um, some mornings they're out in they're out of Windsor, Ontario. And um, I, I would rather those over the 80 whatever stations we have here in New York. Huh. It's just something different. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's just something different. I, I can tell you another story too. I remember I had a radio, a, a clock, a bedroom clock radio. I mean, I had the radio that everybody in the world had, but I, I had this Sony radio. I made my parents buy it for me, and it was digital, and you could put in, you know, eight eight point seven or uh, you know eight eight zero on the AM dial. And I would, I spent one whole, I guess it was one whole summer, winter, whatever it was, each night pushing one of the buttons. Starting at 88.1 and just go or 87.9, whatever it went down to, and just every night trying to see if I can hear a station from there. And when I did, I would write it down on a piece of paper what station, the poll letters, etc. And to, I still have that paper with that listing on a yellow, you know, yellow legal peg of all the stations I had picked up that summer or you know, whatever it was. That's how much I liked radio. That's awesome. That's great. So here's the and killer. Fact, I still kept it. You know. Yeah. Well, sure. I mean, if you, you sound like the type of person, not unlike some of the rest of us, who we accumulate these things and we hold on to them because they are so meaningful. Uh, they may not mean anything to anybody else, but they are meaningful to us. It's exactly right, Brian. Exactly. So, so the kill, the killer question is: mm-hmm. uh, Did you listen to WVHC before you went down to join? I. More than likely did. Yeah, actually I did. There was a, a um, I like all types of music. I mean, every single thing. I don't really, I mean, I have some few that I really like. I remember listening to 
um, the polka show. Don't ask me why. And I think there was a country music show called Western Star or something sure. along those lines. And I was just, I, I think her name was Alice something or other. And I was just like, really thought she had a great voice. And then when I got down there eventually and met, and met her and, and met um, Sweet Olsen and, and the, the polka people and and it was just like, these are the people I had listened to, you know, throughout um, high school, you know, throughout junior high school and, and, and high school. Well, that's fun. I think the host of Western Star was Alice Leroy. Alice Leroy, yes, that's right. Okay, okay. Um, because I, I believe she was still doing the program into the 1990s when I was there, so. Could very um, well be. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, so that's, that's, that's really interesting. All right, so, so you get down to the station and mm-hmm. uh, presumably you see Jim, maybe you meet a few other people. What's the next step? Were there training classes? Did they teach you how to do engineering or announcing? What, what, what goes next? Well, I never really wanted to be announcing. I there were probably training classes. I don't remember taking them. Um, I do know that I met, you know, a whole bunch of people. Um, you know, I I know that, uh, and I and you've heard these things before. I don't Karen Matabato and and uh, mm-hmm. well, then Karen ha- Hamble, uh, Wayne Wayne Kurtzman, Jenny. Um, people that to this day I'm still in touch with um, and uh, well, Rob Ray, the, you know, there was another one mm-hmm. and, and George Musgrave and, you know, certain other people and they, we were just, it just like instantly bonded with these people, I guess. That's very cool. Um, I'm, I'm endlessly fascinated. I, I wasn't at the time, but, but by the, by the, the, what the sports department would have to go through to do either a game at Hofstra or on the road. Do you remember getting started with the sports department and learning about all the things that you had yes. to do? Yeah, uh, yes. Um, I took, I remember the sports department. You know, we all sat in the, in the big room in Memorial Hall and the upstairs, and there was this room. Um, I remember, I, was, I guess I was a big sports person, Hofstra sports person. Um, right. And... We only did there was football and excuse me football and and basketball. Football was home games only. I didn't do it when they when they closed the stadium and moved to that that field behind. I guess what's now what's now where, this, where the radio station is. I wasn't working doing sports then. But when they moved back to football, moved back to the stadium, we had to get the games onto the air and and. I know Karen was a big help in trying to get that in Wayne. We, you know, the engineering part of it. Um, but th- this is where this, where my f- biggest memories are, are trying to get these games on the air. Hmm. Home, I only remember doing home games for football, basketball. There was a setup in, when we when they were playing in the physical fitness center, the PFC. Now the Tasha Stadium was not built yet. Um, there was a little. I don't know what you want to call it, a board where it had like wires and we just basically sit in the stands and uh, run a wire and it's sort of use a screwdriver or alligator clips to sort of take the, the, the bare wire and hook it up to that. In fact, um, that was still there two or three years ago or the last time I was in the PFC, that was still there and it said WVHC on it. Wow. 
that still existed. Um, We did not do anything other than home football games and we did home basketball games and then we broadcast um, some of the away games. And my finest memories are definitely the road trips we did. And, and, well, I guess both of the road trips we did for uh, basketball. Football was football was football there. You know, we weren't great. We sort of played and we broadcasted the game. Again, I, I never wanted to be on the air. So I, by the time I got to become sports director, the time I really got interested in sports, that's when Todd Ann and Scott Cinnamon had come along. And I know, um, and they expressed more of an interest, especially Todd, more of an interest in doing the, the play-by-play and the color commentary. And I wanted to be the producer. That's really all I was interested in. Okay. So that's what I did. So more in the in the planning of how the events would go out and listening to the broadcast and, yes, and that end. Okay. Um, and that, and I, I want to get to this later, but that was both my greatest achievement and my biggest downfall was doing that all right I, well well you're gonna have to explain that <laughs> oh yeah you this is quite a story but um the I, i'm trying to think where to even begin i i don't really know i know that they had done basketball game once from uh i want to say someplace in Philadelphia or someplace in Pennsylvania and the game didn't go through it. I remember, I think it was Rob Ray had run wires and had to go to a phone booth, make a call back to the station and use that, take the phone apart. Those phones actually went, came apart at that time and use alligator clips and, and um, wires back into the, uh, you know, in, into the arena to broadcast the games. And, and I was like, oh, I'm going to make sure this isn't going to happen. And we're going to have the right equipment. And we did not have very good equipment. I guess it was okay for the time. Right. And um, it was uh, it was a very interesting it was just getting the game on the air was just amazing. It was just home games were not as bad. Away games were always, always a problem. Um, part of it was, was uh, you know, Jeff Krauss. He didn't, I don't think he wanted sports on his air. Huh. Because we took up airtime. There was only, you know, Saturday afternoons or during the basketball season, you know, Wednesday, Saturdays, whatever their game was, you know, and, and we're not on his air. And I don't really think he ever really looked at the sports department back in the seventies as something other than a hindrance more than anything else. And remember, there was no real news. We didn't have, I remember the big thing was like, we don't have a ticket, you know, a, a, um, even get the, the wire, the AP wire. wire. Yeah. Yeah. And we didn't have any of that. You know, so it was it was music, music, music from whatever they signed on eleven to two a.m. or eleven a.m. to two a.m. whatever it was, and that was it. Then when we came in with sports. It's like no, 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 no. I, you know, he, he kind of gave us gave a gave us and me particularly, I think, looked at me kind of funny. Like, I, I, I wonder if, if some of it was just uh, some of it was budget because you know the telephone lines cost money, the sure. equipment, uh, you know, sending people to games. I wonder. Part of that was money, and part of it, I think, at the time, from what I'm hearing from a lot of people, is that Jeff was trying to keep the station a little bit under the radar to keep the the, the administrators out of the station's business. I wonder if that's that's some of it. I'm I'm chuckling because I think a lot of the the, the money was wanting to go with all the fundraisers and stuff, wanted to go to get the new antenna. 
Yeah. They put their antenna on Tower C. And I was there for the antenna raising on Tower C. And and um, I think that's probably where he was more interested in. You know, and you're right. Getting money to broadcast these games was, was hard. And that was that leads me actually to my um to my group to what I feel is my my biggest achievement was the the broadcast of the of Hofstra playing UCLA in 1979. And that mm. was like the biggest thing. And I know Hofstra's played them twice since. And um, I, to get that money, what I had to go through to get that money, I went to. Uh, President Stewart at the time mm-hmm. to his office. I had to call and make an appointment and go up to his office and literally get down on one knee and say, give us money. We want to go. Here's the reasons why this would be good for us to go out and broadcast the game. And President Stewart, being an ex Hofstra football player, gave us money to either airfare money or money for the um, the phone line. You had to get a, what was it, a T1 or some kind of a, mm-hmm. a yeah, a special phone line. And then I had to go to the provost at the time of the community and say, or the head of the communications, the head of the, um, yeah, I guess it was the provost, and say, I need money for the rest of it, for either the line or the airfare. And then once he approved all that, my father kicked in money to like rent the, us a car. Wow. And and I think Todd's – Todd, we had food money and, and stuff that we all were like pitching in ourselves. A lot of it – and a lot of the trips too, we sort of pitched in ourselves. We did it on our own. We took cars – our own car to Philadelphia. Right. Uh, you know, um, we were constantly driving everywhere in our own vehicles or once we made a trip with the – Basketball team. Hofstra always played for some reason in the in the East Coast Conference. We were always in basketball. We were always down in Philadelphia, and we one day one trip we went. Team went and then radio station. We went on the bus with the cheerleaders and some fans. And in Norristown, Pennsylvania, outside of Philly, the bus broke down, and we had to make air. And we weren't. We were it just was like not going to make it. We were like going to look for a cab or something to get us to the game, but somehow or another we got. I think they finally got us a new bus or whatever. We got to the game right minutes before airtime in the game. But that's just like you know. We also drove down to Philly, Scott, Todd, and I, and we had a flat tire on exit six on the New Jersey Turnpike, hmm. and we had to make the game. You know, it's just like you know, so we had a state trooper come over and, and helped us fix the tire so that we could get to the game. But again, it was it was always our cars. A lot of it was our money when it came to expenses. When it came to the, the line, usually we had money. We were able to get enough money for that. And again, the airfare and stuff was me begging President Stewart and the provost to get money to go out there. Wow. And that was that for years was like one of the biggest things that the radio station had done. That's, Even that, though, yeah. I don't know if you ever heard about you know that game. I, I, the game is so vivid in my mind too. Just a whole weekend in 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 California. What was vivid from the game? Just just being there, oh, or the yeah. oh yeah, being at, at being at the Polar Pavilion without a doubt. I mean, there was a famous there was a picture that was a famous picture. There was a picture of Scott Sidman, Todd, Ann, and myself up in at the radio station, even uh, not that many years ago. Of the three of us, and it's you know, on the with the big um, UCLA thing on the floor, and, and us taking a picture of me and me and wearing our suits. You know, we're all dressed up to do these games. 
stuff that, you know. So you, you talked about, you know, some of the facilities at Hofstra in terms of, of the broadcasting mm-hmm. stuff. And, and even, you know, when you were a kid being fascinated by the satellite connection to Moscow and things like that, when you get to UCLA, yeah. what's that setup like? What, you know, they must have been prepared for broadcasters. <laughs> the, the, well, that was professional. That was done on, you know, K whatever station. Yeah, I, that's another thing. I remember sitting on the floor and I guess Larry Brown was the coach of uh, UCLA at the time. And I think he grew up on Long Island. Right. He's from Long Beach. And he comes he comes out, he sees that little, oh, that's another thing. He sees that little banner, which I believe we made ourselves. I believe Karen and Jenny had had sort of cut and, and felt this this banner that said, you know, WVHC 88.7 FM. And he comes up to us and he's kind of like looking at like, what are you guys doing here? <laughs> here we are, 17, 18, 19, you know, 16, you know, 16, 18, 19 year olds. What are we doing here? You know, you're not professionals. But he was very nice and he talked to us. I remember, I remember him being being very nice. And the same kind of goes when we went up to we made a trip to Syracuse. The broadcast uh-huh. the game against the Orangemen, and and that was when they were building the Carry Dome. Yep, they played at the Manly Fieldhouse, and we were up there, and this was like, wow, it's Syracuse. You know, the pa- place is packed. I mean, there are more people than I uh, said. Same with same with UCLA, but you know, here we're playing in like a professional thing, broadcasting a professional. And with professional people around, not just in the PFC sitting in the stands. But there were also some games too. Like we went, to, I, I, I had so many stories. We like went to Ryder and and um, it was a Ryder, Ryder College in New Jersey or Wagner in Staten Island. And and the the um, gym floor, the back of the gym floor was like an order was like a stage. So you either ran out the door one side, or you ran and you had to hit the stage on the other on the other thing. So it it, it kind of like ran the gamut. But just being being in UCLA, the public event, walking around UCLA, we ran into Will Chamberlain, wow. who's coming out of playing rock. He came out of a racquetball court, and the little door. And you know, he's a huge guy. And and the, I remember Tom and I was like staring at this guy and drooling because here's Will Chamberlain. I mean, and that's what kind of thing it was because we were you know, kids from Long Island we do, you know, who idolized these people, and yet there they were standing in front of us. But that that whole. That whole UCLA trip was like, it's so vivid in my mind. That's big time. That's, 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 that was, because that's right. That was big time. Maybe that was, maybe that was it. That was the, the, when the, I don't think there was another big game before, that they, Hasha had gone before that, had done before that, where you really go out and play big time basketball. Yeah. Um, so, so these are, these are sort of, you know, super highlights of your, your time at Hofstra radio. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember getting on the air, if not specifically the first time, but maybe early on, or maybe one of the early games that you did, what, what were you thinking? What were you feeling? What were your emotions? Oh, this was, I was like so nervous that something was going to go wrong. The, when, when we went back to the, um, when they started reopening the Stewart stadium for some idiotic reason they placed the radio station in the press box right next to the um coaches box for the away team so they would always be screaming plays and we would be right next door there was no soundproofing and you know i'm trying to put up stuff to to try and because all you hear with the with the the other teams yelling at 
you know, yelling plays or whatever they were doing. And we were trying to broadcast the game from the, from this booth upstairs. But, um, it was just, it was something I just sort of, again, it was just something I just sort of fell into. I did my, my, you know, I went and I got my third class license. Everybody went down. We all of us went down to, you know, Lower Manhattan to take the test. I, I didn't remember half of what it was, you know, so when right. I could take the meter readings and um, I used to do, again, I was never really on the air. I, I was with engineer, you know, I would engineer some shows. I engineered a um, music of the, again, I liked all those, again, I like all those types of music. I remember doing a show, I think it was music of the thirties and forties, thirties and forties. I, I liked engineering that. Um, whatever it was, I would wind up, you know, just doing, playing the records and, you know, doing the engineering part of it, taking the meter readings, patching in what you had to patch in. And, and, and that was it. I never really wanted to be on the air. I hmm. still say I have a very high pitched voice. I don't really have a radio voice, but I wanted to be a producer. Uh, uh-huh. Um, you mentioned a number of names earlier, obviously Jim Helfcott, who you knew, yeah. oh, uh, uh, who, who, uh, Wayne and Jenny and Karen, who are some other people who were around at the time who helped you get comfortable at the station? I don't really remember to be honest with you. Okay. Uh, Todd Ann and Scott Sinner, I mean, the three of us were, were, were like, very close knit and we shared hotel rooms and things like that together. Um, other people there, you know, George, George Musgrave. And, um, he stands out of my mind. Um, I can't really remember some of the other people, but it was a, it just was a very nice place. They were, they were my friends. I will say that. Well, well that, that, that sort of gets to, to the next question is like, it's, it seems like my, my, feeling is that you got very comfortable at the station very right sure. away and yes, you probably definitely. were spending time there in the office and, and mm-hmm. in the studio. It seems like you just, you just jumped right in. Definitely without a doubt. And, and it's where I wanted to be. Hmm. You know, it's, I lived on campus. I, I, I lived four miles away, but yet I lived on campus. Hofstra at the time was, was a school that was having financial difficulties. So anybody that had money that wanted to live on campus, you know, come, we could, you know, I had a dorm room in, in Tower E and, and I lived on campus so I could just run down to the station whenever I wanted to or whenever they needed me, what have you. Right. So you were in the, in the office a lot, I guess in Memorial yeah. Hall and then mm-hmm. sometimes I was, in the studio. Yeah. The, the, the office was really to, uh, to, to, to make phone calls and, and try and get, you know, line up for the next games or just sort of hang out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you mentioned earlier, oh. you were guessing about Jeff Krause's feelings about the sports department. He didn't really love having games on there. What, uh, do you remember having other early interactions with him when you first got to the station? Not really. No, I mean, mm-hmm. He was, he just, I don't know. There's just something about our personalities that probably just didn't click. But I was it, you know, I was probably, you know, I was chosen or whoever to become the sports director. Right. I know there was, there was board, there was, we used to have, um, I guess we used to have meetings, whatever, and they would, and somehow I got elected to be the sports director. I don't remember how, but I did, and I, I took it and ran with it, so. He he was a tough guy. 
I give him a lot of credit. He did he did a lot for that station, and um, I know his baby was the antenna, and that was one of the big events when I was at you know at um, VHC was the raising of that antenna. I can tell you another story. Uh, um, Wayne, Karen, myself, and somebody else went to a student radio convention up in Boston. And on the way back, this is right at the time when they had put up the antenna. And on the way back, we must have been somewhere like Connecticut. And we turned to 88.7. And all of a sudden, it's my car too. All of a sudden, the station came on. I was like, whoa, we, we can hear you. And we're not in, we're not on Long Island. And that, that was like the greatest thing too. You know, it's like, there it is. It actually works. And people can hear us. And then you get into it, and I learned about the radius of you know how far we would broadcast, etc. It was just so amazing that we're driving, and all of a sudden we get the radio station in Connecticut. That's in my mind. I'm picturing the the scene in you know so many movies when usually it's a band that their record is on the radio for the first time, and they kind of freak out and they're excited, yeah. and they're but but it's not necessarily your record. It's your it's your station that you're hearing, and it's and it's so exactly. far away. That's cool. It was this little station on Long Island, you know, that was not that many years away from being, you know, carrier radio just on the campus and, you know, put together with, with used equipment and, uh, you know, um, and here we are now with, with an antenna that, that wasn't on Memorial Hall. That was up on the top of a, the highest building on, on um, campus. And um, I'm listening to it from, you know, in Connecticut. Probably wasn't even that far, but you know, it was still in Connecticut. It still was not on Long Island. Right. Do you remember anything else about uh, the the new transmitter going up? I mean, you were there. What do you remember? Any other details or uh, anything else that was going on? Putting up the antenna. No, I, I wasn't there. There. Okay. I, I classified. I, I was. I I remember pre-putting it up i've seen there is i know you probably know there's a film about it i've seen this film with um oh, steve fendel had put, made this film about it and um fortunately i was cut out of the film but there is a film of, of the raising of the antenna and it was just like that was a big moment that really was a big moment that going to ucla and um just getting just having money and having a sense of we're now becoming something other mm. than this this school radio station. Now, before I got to Hofstra, I had looked at other schools. I was going to go to CW Post. I had interned at, in um, in high school. I had interned at um, I guess it was HPC in uh, Nassau Community College. Right. Uh, so I, I kind of knew what they were doing there. Um, I was going to go to CW Post, but I didn't really like that radio station up there. They didn't seem to do anything. It, you know, they really didn't want to do anything with radio. And Hofstra was interested in doing something with radio. You just feel it. Because that's why all those marathons to raise money and, and all of us kicking in money to try and do it. That's what it was for. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that I was, you know, some little part of that. You know, it, going to going to California brought, brought, you know, somebody wanted to listen to the game. They could listen to the game now. They don't have to wait. You know, there's no, we, it wasn't broadcast in New York. It was no, like... Um, you know, it wasn't like any station was going to cover it. Here we were, you know, right. three guys. And that sort of brought, you know, attention to the station. 
it might have been a you know a game that we we lost, but um, at least it brought attention to the station and what they can do, and what we could have done, and what we did actually. Hmm. Um, obviously, we have the benefit of hindsight here and looking mm-hmm. back, and and the things that you've saved over the years, and the friendships and the relationships that all colors our conversation today. Um, I'm wondering if you can go back in your mind. I mean, I, I'm just, I'm so overwhelmed by, you know, that your personal investment, your, your time, your energy, your money, your family, the, the, all the effort that you put in being a member of WVHC. But I want to go back to that beginning when you decide you're going to go to Hofstra and you're going to go to the station and, and go find Jim or whatever. What did you hope Hofstra Radio would mean to you at that time? Well, it was th- uh, well career that it would help me get a career in radio, and my yeah. career in radio, my career goal was to um, was to work in the back office of a radio station, or to eventually, you know, become a GM or something along those lines, and it never panned out. But um, that's what I wanted, and I didn't go there for the friendship. I didn't go there. I, I wanted to be part of of radio and. I was you know, and I had done a num- We did quite a number of things to raise money and to do all these things, but it was, it was just. I guess I just walked in there, going, "Okay, here I am. Put me to work," kind of thing. And then I just did it, and it became something very meaningful to you. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, here I'm talking, you know, forty years later, and and truthfully, when when um, you know, I had a son, and and he was looking in colleges, and. And he uh, wanted to go computers. And then one day he comes to me and goes, do you mind if I go to Hasha and become a you know, radio and television major? And it's like, yeah, you know, and, and sure, go ahead. And, and he, it helped, it helped that I was, uh, yeah, it, it, they kind of knew of me. And when he got to the station and, and it was all, you know, RG is all different now from what VHC was. We really were spit and polish to get on the air. I mean, that's what we had to do. Whatever we had to do, whatever money it took, we got. We just did it and got on the air. If it took my father's money to rent the car, or if it took my, you know, my, my seventy-five Cutlass to drive down to Pennsylvania with a, and then get a flat tire, you know, whatever it was, we did it because we want. We really felt like we needed to do this, or I felt that I really needed to do this. I needed to help the station. I wanted it for my personal growth, and I wanted to be part of something, and um, I wanted to put Hofstra's name out there. I'm still a big Hasha fan. I'm still very much follow everything that goes on with Hasha. It was it was definitely my life. I had done, I had stayed on campus during summers, and I I did tours on the campus. I I helped incoming freshmen. I was Hasha flying Dutchman all the way. And don't call me Hasha pride. I hate that word. <laughs> we will always be the Hasha flying Dutchman. It's it's see, that's another thing. It was an it was a a, a team name or a school name that nobody else really had. I think there was one other school that used that in Indiana someplace, but you know, we were the hash of flying dust and here we come. You know, and, and VHC was, was, was a part of it. It really was quite something. Well, I, 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 I just have stories that I can just keep going on. I mean, there was a, I don't know if we did it to raise money or what it was. We had a, um, the, there was an indoor soccer game team playing at the Coliseum. Sure. And the, the, the arrows, New York arrows. Was that something like that? Something like that. I don't okay. remember, but they had asked us to play 
at halftime. And none of us played soccer, or at least I don't think any of us played soccer. And they came to me and we said, okay, we have to go. We're going to put together a team. It's like everybody wanted to come down. Everybody who was anybody at the station came down to be part of this team. Bruce Fredericks, uh, Rob Ray, myself, Scott and Todd, and Karen. We all were, 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 you know, we were just like idiots running around trying to kick this ball because there was no place to practice. Nobody right. really wanted to go. I guess we could have gone out to the intramural um, fields behind the dorms, but we didn't even do that. We just sort of like showed up with our VHC t-shirts, which I still have up to this day too, and played the soccer game at, at the NASA Coliseum. I have a picture of, of all of us too somewhere, just sort of like hanging around, waiting to go and and and, and play. It, it, it was just, again, it, it was camaraderie. This is what we did. We were all together trying to do something to get the VHC name out there. I'm going to have to figure out a way to make this a multimedia presentation so we can see these images. I'm, I'm so intrigued in the t-shirts. Like, the t-shirt, I know, I know a couple of people, I know Karen had t-shirt. There was a jacket too. Jacket somehow or another got lost, but t-shirt I still have. And, and mother wanted to throw it out. Weiss wanted to throw it out. And it's just like, I have this t-shirt. I know exactly what it is. It is faded white, but it's still, I still have the VHC t-shirt. And I will have that for as long as I live, that VHC t-shirt. That's how much the radio station meant to me. Yeah, I, I, I can I can go on. There is there is a um my my uh we used to go out and and do um to raise money. We used to go out and, and with a portable turntable. I remember we did a um well disco was very big. I was a very big disco panther. But we did a um a dance. Uh-huh. I think it was George Musgrave and myself, and we went and spun records, and we got paid with a hundred dollars, whatever it was, at at one of the local um temples here in town and it was like yeah okay another hundred dollars vhc here's a big banner and look at us you know come to hasha be on the radio station it was just it was just it was just that type of thing that's that's amazing that's so much fun steven i i've been grinning ear to ear the entire time your enthusiasm and love of hofstra radio are are really coming through here and i'm so glad you took the time to to share these stories i obviously you have more stories I'm going to try to come up with some more questions to see what else we can, we can tease out of you. Let's do this again sometime. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I appreciate you doing all this. I've listened to most of them and it's, it's a phenomenal thing you're doing. And again, it's the history of, of Hasha radio. Um, and if I, you know, my little part of it, my two years. Oh, I never did actually tell you the, the rest of the story. I know you want to end, but. Oh, no, no, no. I, I never did tell you the end of the story. I, I probably am the only person that actually got fired from Hofstra Radio. And uh, this, and well, yeah. what's, the, what's the rest of the story? <laughs> that's, that's 1980. Ryder College, this is too, I remember this like it's, it's, it was yesterday. Ryder College, we broadcast the game, Lawrenceville, New Jersey. Funny how I remember these, these schools and towns. And we, we broadcast the first half and broadcast the second half. Game ends. And I get this. You know, we used to use regular phone lines. So we hang up the phone line, and I get a call. I guess it was um, Ray Kirsten was in the studio and goes, you know, you've been off the air for uh, the entire second half. Oh, no. I was. I, I had not. I was so in, either into the game or so much into producing the broadcast 
you know, I used to point to my eye at the top of the hour because you had to do the ID and, and things like that, that I had no idea that we weren't on the air for the second half. Well, got back to campus and whoever, I don't remember whoever was the station manager at the time said, bye-bye. You know, we, 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 you know, you're no longer the sports director and you really, and I guess, I think it was Jeff Krause who said, you know, we really don't think you should be here. You didn't do the, the full job that I was supposed to do. Oh no. And that hurt, that actually hurt me a lot. Yeah. 1980, in my senior year, you know, I was no longer part of it. I was big in 70, a little bit in 77, 78 and 79 as sports directors. I was gung ho raising, doing all this stuff. And all of a sudden in 1980, because of a, of a mistake that I'm sure other people might have done nowadays, you know, with cell phones and whatever, talkbacks, you, you would know they weren't on the air, but. I, had, I admit, I screwed up, and it, it hurt me a lot. My second part, the, the end of of, um, of uh, senior year. Oh, no. You just yeah. broke my heart, Stephen. That's just, <laughs> oh, it's killing me. But but I, I you know, here I am, I'm admitting it, you know. I'm, my, you know, I'm in my 60s, now I can admit that I made a mistake in my 20s. And, uh, but yeah, okay. I still show up. I still show up at the radio station dinners or, you know, whatever it is. I'm still part of, I still have a little bit of legacy, whether it ended good or not. I still have, you know, I'm still, I still feel that I was part of the school and that I have a legacy part of the school. Well, I'm, you, sorry, I'm sorry that ended the way it did, of course. But no, no. I mean, it's it's a it's a testament to you and 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 what the station meant to you that you you still have this love of it, even though and obviously not everybody walks away full of of love and happiness. There's plenty of people who left with with feelings of bitterness or disappointment uh, or, yeah, over would time. I have, but would I have like you done a rate? Would I? Yeah, exactly. I mean, everybody wanted to do a, sh- a radio show. I was one of the few people, I guess, who really didn't want to be on the air. But you know, you you, you do things incomplete or, or whatever it was. I don't know what caused me not to to follow through or however we were doing the transmission. I'm not even so sure that many people know about that story. Wow, but that's what happened to me. And then I know after that, Todd Ann took over and, and as a sports director, and then you know went from there. I just graduated, and, and that was it. But um, it's not like I ever forgot Hofstra Radio. It's no. still, it's still, again, I, I keep repeating myself, but it still is a major part of me and it will always be. And they're my friends, Facebook friends, or if I run into them at dinners or whatever it was, they still are my friends. Oh. I, th- I, I I will talk to them more than I talk to the people who are my, 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 my you know, roommate or any of my other friends that I had in college those my hostage friends yeah i mean you, you go through some things with with these people and and it's and it forms who you become in the moment and who you become later and that's stuff that you, you carry with you um yes. and hopefully hopefully it's the good memories that you carry with you most of the time it sounds like that i will try and for, i do try to forget the uh the writer incident yes okay the writer and I, i'll end it on that i do appreciate you you uh taking the time to listen to me this was a real pleasure. I, I really enjoyed it. And and I, I can, again, I could talk about radio, radio, radio for hours on it. All right. Well, we'll, we'll do it another time. We'll come up with uh, some it. more topics Thanks and do much. it. Thank you very much. And thank you again. Thank you for doing all this. I do like listening to it.